Hi and welcome to Real Clear Fetish Talks Real Clear Play. Tonight is the eighth episode and also the last of this season. It's been absolutely a joy to do these uh, interviews, talks with different people. Hello everyone watching. Um, this tonight is a little bit special because we have a menage a trois. I have two guests on tonight. Um, you could almost call it the recovery power couple. Uh, tonight I'm having uh, Mr. Monsieur Lever 2009 and his partner, Adam, boy Adam. So Mike Lunter and Adam Lunter. I'm probably pronouncing that last name wrong, but they'll correct me in a moment. Should we bring them on? Let's do so. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. That was perfect. <laughs> did I pronounce it right? You did. You did. And people don't. Uh, and you, you nailed it. Very good. Well, it's a it's, uh, European last name, isn't it? It is indeed, yes. You go in Czechoslovakia and uh, yes, from my father's side. There you go. So it's, it's name-wise, it's probably like a very Danish dramatic pronunciation of it, Lunta. So there we yes. go. People here in America don't get it. So, and it's so easy. But, well, it's it's like talking to an American tur tur uh, tourist, and then they go, "Are we going to Leicester Square?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should we jump just in uh, right into it because we have two people tonight, so double as many answers. Uh, we'll start with the two. Uh, uh, the first question: uh, What do you prefer? I call you names, pronouns, and titles. Alrighty. Well, I'll, I'll go first. I. My uh, pronouns are he and him. And uh, you and I have known each other for a long time. It's been a few years since we've actually been in the same vicinity. Yes, I've got some really good memories. Um, as far as, you know, calling me, I prefer people to just call me Mike until they get to know me. I've, I've never once called myself Sir. That was given to me by the community. Um, for my involvement, which I'm very humbled and grateful for, I do prefer to earn someone's respect first. And if they want to call me, sir, then that's fine. But Mike is really fine. Cool. Yeah, and same here. Just Adam and uh, my pronouns are he, him, and his. Fantastic. Uh, tell me just a little bit about yourselves. Well, I'm the superior one in every way. No. <laughs> Just had to get that right out, yeah, you know. Remember, right remember when you were out there still tweaking everything like that? I was oh. like, hey, taking cake. Oh, yeah. So, yes. Okay. <laughs> Touche. Um, let's see. I have, uh, I'm 62. And uh, um, going on uh, being sober five years in just a few days, September 8th. Oh, so You're in the same my, month as me. We do indeed. My uh, drug of choice has always been meth. Um, I've had a really good long career, and uh, as you had wrote, I've been a therapist for many of years. I did retire from that profession, but I still work full time in medical technology. So I'm a born and bred and remained in Midwest USA. That's me. Yeah, and uh, so I celebrated 24 years of sobriety um, in June, the end of June. 
And Congratulations. Uh, yes, uh, 45 years old. So I, I never had a legal drink, but uh, got sober when it was finally legal for me to drink in this country. That which is, which I mean, is irony in itself. It is, it is. But you know, um, you know what they say, people plan, God laughs. And I think he was having a ball that day. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I've seen it for a long time and I, I've really loved it. Um, I've been really fortunate though. I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, I, my, I grew up uh, in Oklahoma City and also for a bit in New York. And um, so uh, right now uh, I work for a Japanese company that uh, handles IT and process automation software and also visual technology. And um, been with them for just about a year and a half. But uh, yeah, for the most of my life, I've been doing something with Japan or with Japanese language, so. Fantastic. And you've kind of answered this, the third question, but I'll answer it anyway, or ask it anyway, because I've done it the other episodes. Completely sober, clear-headed, or social drinker? Completely sober. Completely sober. Yes. And the fourth question, which kind of leads us into whatever this gonna end up being, because as you've, if you've seen some of the other episodes, I don't mm. know where the conversation is going to go, which is the fun bit of it. Mm -hmm. um, what is clear play to you and why is it important? Clear play? Yeah, clear play, clear headed. I, well, I try to use the word clear instead of clean because there's too many negative connections with it. That's, sure. that's what I wanted to make sure that I heard the right word there. Yeah. Um, for me, it's everything, uh, especially now being sober and clear headed, you know, and not just to be clear headed, but also, you know, I, I tend to be dumb, you know, uh, although I am versatile, but even when I'm versatile, I tend to be dumb and bossy at that as well, you know, um, but I want to make sure that whoever I'm playing with is taken care of, you know, needs are being met on both sides. And when I was using it, you know, it was more uh, selfishness, more what I wanted, more what was in my head, not what was in the other person's head. It wasn't very didactic. It was all me, 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 you know, and it, it kind of goes with the spiritual principles that I've been learning, you know, being clear headed, allows me to be in the moment, you know? And when I was using meth, and a lot of other meth heads could relate to this, while I'm playing and using meth, I'm already thinking about the next two, three other people I'm going to meet up with, you know? I'm completely missing what's going on now. Um, so, and, not, and to add to that, there's another component for me, and that's my health, you know? Uh, I, I'm getting old. There's nothing worse than seeing a 62-year-old meth head, you know, or, or someone who's really drunk, something like that, you know. And I don't want to. I don't want other people to say, "Oh God, look at her. She was so <laughs> good." You know, that'd be like you know the Barry Manilow song, Copacabana. There's Lola in the dress she used to wear, faded feathers in her hair. You know, I don't want to get that way. So. I'm sorry, I'm trying to imagine the feathers in your hair, sir. Yeah. Oh, we can do that. Oh, okay. Peacock feathers. Okay, yeah, whatever you say. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. We're, we're goofballs, just so you know. Yeah. I mean, if you were expecting any kind of seriousness, and you just no, needed... No, no, no. Do I look like someone who's serious, really? Forget it. It's, it's now the Mike and Adam show. 
No, 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 no. And Adam, what, why is uh, clear play ready, important to you? Um, actually, I don't know any other way. Um, I got into this when I was about 16 years sober. And um, my first, you know, four days into it, uh, were with other sober members, you know. Um, I, uh, the first time I ever attended a leather event uh, was, um, was IML uh, about, you know, maybe five, you know, four or five years ago. Okay. And the person I was dating at the time was actually um, working with one of the vendors. So I had a chance to sort of walk on the vendor mart and start asking questions. Um, but at that time, you know, meetings were a regular thing. And um, I knew a few people that, it's like I knew they were into leather, but I didn't expect them to be at IML. But sure enough, there they were. And we all had a meeting, and then we all went out and had dinner. And um, that was when I started asking questions, and that was when I started learning how to do things. And, um, you, know, you know, for me, clear play is, is just, you know, it's, it's the way to, um, like I said, I just, I just don't know any other way. Um, I, I can't imagine doing it any other way. You know, uh, I, I think, you know, like Sir Mike said, you know, I, I, I've learned to really you know, be in the moment, both in my sobriety and also during something like this, you know, and it's taken a lot of um, courage to ask questions, discipline, and also open-mindedness, which, again, wouldn't have had prior to getting sober. Mm. So that's, like I said, it's... It, for me, it's it's the only way, but it's really the only way just because that's the only way I've known. Yeah, it's 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 Water. as I've said, like I posted about it a couple of weeks ago on my Instagram. I I posted uh, about the the book Lost Men and Meth, which I'm still in the middle of of reading. I'm on page like 140, which I'm taking in chunks because some of it is stirs up emotions. Absolutely, it's it's a, it's a hard read for a former meth user. I've uh, only got half of that book. And had to put it away, and yeah. I'm ready to pick it up again. But it's it's a very difficult read. But I think if one can get through it, it's a must. It's 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 a very good book. I, I think my only but about it is, you you definitely get the impression that the person who wrote the book is taking it from the perspective of a meth user that came into fetish, not a fetish man who became a meth addict. So there's a there is a little bit of an undertone of judgment for, yes. and you ha definitely have to give up the old ways where in early recovery, I was told you have to give up your fetish because it's too connected to drug taking. Mm, I'm a stubborn cow. I will not listen to that. So mm. I just found my own way back into fetish because mm. I had fetish before drugs. You, Mike, you've known me since I was 24 years old. And you're Young and blue eyed and like oh no one's gonna hurt me here um yeah. and and you were in the what number were you again uh in the class or, yeah. or final ranking no in in the class uh, you were 22 i think i i had to think about it i was 22 yeah because you were one between me so you were a part of my queue yes at the back and so on so you know me, I was I was completely like deer in headlights the whole time. I had an amazing time, but um, so I had all the fetish gear and stuff like that before I did drugs. Mm -hmm. So when it was so connected with the drug taking, and that's one of the things they explain in the book, is this cohesiveness. 
between your sex drive and drug taking and how hard it is to split, but it is possible. It is possible. It just takes time, a lot of time and energy and patience and tears and yelling. And, and then you get into after the sex. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you will recognize this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think it was also cool too, because I, I came on when you just started your journey in sobriety and we're coming back into leather, you know, and um, no, because I remember you were, you were sort of, the first event we attended, I, I like telling this story, but the first event that we attended together was MAL in like 2016 or something like that. I don't remember exactly. It was 2000, January 2016. Yeah. 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 It was my first leather event. It was his first leather event sober. I was like um, four months sober and yeah. at a leather event. And let me tell you, I was in the sober rooms like this. He was wound up like a piano wire. He was you know, definitely wound up like a piano jaw wire. Jaw-tied everything. Yeah. You know, because like I was more, um, I, I, I wasn't really nervous, but like I had a lot of questions about like what was going on as far as the event was concerned, as far as what people were doing. Meanwhile, you were asking me questions like, how do you know that person? Did you sleep with them? And I'm like, no, no, I know them from the, I know them from the program. He's like, you know everybody from the program. How did you, you know, and it's like, at the time it took, yeah. it was 20 years worth of and you know, I gotta say, networking, but you know. Whenever he knew someone, it's true. I always said, sleep with them, you know, and I wasn't being nosy. He got really aggravated at me at <laughs> one time. It was just like, oh, this is blah, blah, blah. Well, and, I said it wasn't your business. Oh, I, I like to embellish. Okay. okay. So. <laughs> Please embellish. It's much more fun. Much more fun. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's only live, so we can't edit. Exactly. That's exactly. true. Yeah. But I had a keen interest in knowing how he actually met people. I, I came of age in the 70s and 80s, and um, there was no um, uh, grinder, there was no internet, there was no nothing you know, outside of keys and hanky codes. You walked uphill both ways with five feet of snow to your hookup. Now you got a good picture of yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard that one. And I was grateful. Yeah. But you know, um, yeah, here's where I was. back then in the good old days. No. Um, <laughs> we, I never met a friend. The way I met friends was sleeping with them. Yeah. We slept, we fucked, we became friends sometimes. So, I did that my whole life. I did not know how to make a friend without flirting, without fucking, without doing something. You know, so I was very inquisitive. Teach me, how do you do that? Because I sure don't know. Yeah. And, and the program also helped me immensely. You know, but that was my reasoning back then was like, how do you do that? You know, he used to say things like, well, I'm going to go socialize. Is that okay? I'd be like, try And I'm like, how do you socialize? without a buzz how do you socialize with that I, I was scared shitless i i couldn't walk up to someone even in the sober room and go hi how do you do i'm mike you know yeah. it took me months to learn how to do that without trembling knees i remember even the first few meetings we went to at mal i was it was weird like i was supposed to be the sub and i was like fully there but like <laughs> we walked into the room and all of a sudden things changed and i'm like you know i'm going up and i'm saying hi to people and i'm like yes this is my sir mike sir mike same yeah, way. and I'm glued to him. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I fully recognize the whole, like, not knowing how to engage with other gay men unless it involves a cock, some meth, and, and maybe a bed. 
Yeah. Um, I, I perfect example is uh, I sing with the London Gay Men's Chorus, and I met other gay men who don't like to talk about sex, mm. which mm. was mind blowing to me. Why yeah. wouldn't you want to talk about fisting within the first five minutes? Exactly. But a lot of the people in my chorus are very British about it. It's like, oh no, we don't. That's in the bedroom. We don't talk about that, which is brilliant. It's like, of course, yeah. there's people like that. But I've right. never been. I've always been in an echo chamber of fetish men who are very sex positive. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And it was interesting for me too, I think also because, um, you know, I, I, got, I didn't even come out until I was eight years older, um, which just goes to show you more will be revealed, but they don't say what or when or how. Um, but the other thing, you know, <laughs> I say that a lot, but, you know, um, I think luckily by that time I wasn't, um, I wasn't scared to meet people and I wasn't scared to make friends, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And this is what was good about that experience or two was I actually learned a little bit about protocol and learned a little bit about how to come correctly and about how to, um, ask what I wanted to know, uh, without being, um, uh, how do I, not, not intrusive, but like, you know, it's interesting, you know how most people in the fetish community are usually very receptive to questions and they're usually yeah. very okay with asking, I mean, that really surprised me. And I think it surprised me so much that I just sort of thought, okay, I can just talk to anybody. And I didn't realize, you know, there, there are certain ways to address people and there are certain ways that you ask questions. Um, and, uh, you know, even if you wanted to try something, you know, I mean, I, I actually, needed to defer to Sir a lot um, to make sure that I was dealing with somebody that he was okay with, mm -hmm. you know? So, it, you know, in, in, a, in a real sense, it was sort of the beginning of a real education for me about power exchange and also about um, more than just the mechanics of it, you know, the, the, the discipline, the, the relationships, you know, the stuff that, like I said, I think if I had come to an experience like that without having learned a little bit about um, proper social behavior, because I was the kind of drunk that, fell all over the place and threw up and didn't see why you were suspended the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at one point, especially the end of my using, I used to have an app on my phone where I would track where I've been. Oh, God. Oh, wow. I would almost like a badge of prize show at work where, look, I, I fell over there and I was drunk there. And that's that's where I lost my Oyster card and, and my travel card. And, and yeah. all of that, that just seemed really normal to me. Mm -hmm. um, now looking at it is like, well, that's just tragic, really. Mm -hmm. Then I have to have an app on phone to just kind of have a notion of where I'm in. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, for whatever it's worth to me, and I think one of the nice things about only knowing how to do this clean is that you know, I, I you know, I, I don't have to explain. I don't have to explain it. It's like I know where I was. I know who I was with. I know what happened. And um, you know, again you know, fetish events aside or not, you know, for a blackout drinker like me, that's a big deal to be able to answer all those questions and, yeah. <laughs> and know that stuff as well, too. You know, and um, I, yeah, I, I'm starting to run dry a little bit. Oh, you're doing good. It's, it's, it's that, like, especially with meth and so on, your short-term memory kind of goes when you're playing around. So on the way home, you will have that sinking feelings like, I know I played with a lot of people, but I wouldn't be able to pick them out of a lineup. Forget it. It's just, they were just cocks and bums to me. Mm -hmm. um, faces, names, uh, who cares? Yeah. Um, 
and it's just that very empty feeling afterwards. And definitely I, I would get that with drinking as well. I wouldn't, I never categorized myself as an alcoholic, but it was definitely my gateway to meth. So it, that's one of the reasons I cut it out. I just, no, mm -mm. it just lowers my boundaries and then I'll go to something else. Right. Right. And I think the only reason I never got into meth is because I just didn't go places where they had it. You know, I mean, I, I was a college drunk, you know, and booze was really easy to get a hold of. And, uh, and, and get a hold of it, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, I met you in 2009, and yep. I had never done drugs at that point, and, and, and now experienced IML on the other kilter of that, because my last IML experience was a mess. Mm -hmm. What was your IML experience, if I may ask, if it's not too personal? Of course. Um, well, it's important to note that as a young adult, um, and I'm talking 14, 15, uh, I dabbled in drugs, you know? So I had a lot of drug experience. And then I had this long history of non-drug use. And when I met you at that IML class of 31, I was not into drugs. I was sober, albeit for a mixed drink now and then. I didn't get drunk at all. I was in great shape. I was clear-headed, I was in the moment, and I think that's how I managed to get through it so well. You know, um, I w it wasn't until, uh, so my I, going back to my IML experience, it was very positive, it was very wonderful, and I'm really grateful I had that good positive, you know, time and memory. It wasn't until a couple years Later, when I started going to other events, after I had already been introduced to meth, uh, ironically, uh, by my ex-husband, who wanted to try it, and I was very opposed to trying it, you know, and said, no, we were out of town, and I'm like, no, no, totally wrong. Well, he was very adamant about trying it, so I was like, well, I'm not going to do it alone. Um, it was the miracle drug for me, <laughs> you know? Um, it, it made me feel so good and so um, vigorous and just powerful and, and sex just seemed to be so spiritual, you know, and I thought I was having all this connection and we were getting along fine here on meth. But, for, but as we all know, um, eventually, I, you know, back at IML, I would miss some of the contests and I was always there to support you know, the next Mr. Missouri Leather, you know, and cheer on and stuff like that. And then the year after that, I missed even more. And then the year after that, I missed the entire contest. I didn't get out of my room once. And then the year after that, it was just bottom. It was just horrible, even worse than I could ever imagine. Um, so start, I'm, I'm really glad I had a great IML in the beginning, but then it just really white sour yeah and it's it's other it's, events too sorry other events that i went to while i was going downhill went sour as well claw local events other events uh you know i miss well, well i my my experience is the same um i i was a big uh i i loved berlin easter I had to, I haven't done Berlin Easter since becoming sober. I have been to Berlin for Folsom, but I haven't actually done 
my favorite event, which is Easter. And that, my, my coming out year would be this year. But as you know, we didn't go anywhere this year. So that must have, that has to wait now, which is fine. It's perfectly fine. Um, it was just not meant to be this year. And, and I'm, I'm very happy with myself and, and that's perfectly okay. There's not this emotion of missing out anymore. I don't get FOMO as much as I used to. I definitely did when I was still using and just like this notion of people doing things without me. Oh my God, no, no, no. Because it's, it, as you mentioned, it's, it's a drug that really just turns you into me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. Um, you turn into beaker, really. Um, and how do you sound? Um, so it's, it's, it's very interesting. You, you see it bleed into the other events and kind of taint them a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely taken me a long time to separate that anxiety and those emotions. Um, perfect example is my first like, big club night out. I had to grab a friend because I got triggered by standing in the queue for the bathroom. Which is like a, it's it's understandable because you would go into the cubicle and do drugs and then go on. Um, so right. for me, that had that connection, the smell of the the cleaning products in the bathroom. It's 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 awful when you realize there's so many connections to things you have to disconnect afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also interesting too that that doesn't always go away. You know, I mean, it's been quite a few twenty four hours since I've had my last drink. Um, you know, even so, there'll be nights where, you know, I've been out at a bar or even at an event and, you know, quite accidentally, somebody will have spilled their drink. You know, beer always seems to, beer always seems to hit the floor. I don't know what it is, but just beer, you know, and that was, that was, that was what I drank all the time, you know, and like the smell will just hit me and I'll just be like, sir, you got to go. And, and we have an understanding that yeah. one, one of us says, we got to go. Stop what you're doing. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's like a safe word. Noise. We're going. It's like well, yes. I've 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 accepted now that if I'm mentally not there or I'm not feeling the yeah. event, I'm too old to kind of try to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, it's just easier go home, put some TV on, de-stress or decompress, and just go. Okay, what what went wrong there, or is it okay? Just I, I went home. Just reassess what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And what was the trigger? And what should I look at? You know, it's amazing how, you know, you were talking about triggers and events earlier. And uh, when you got me recalling uh, about IML and Chicago and how Chicago was always a wonderful place for me. And when things trailed off, it started to become a very um, frightful, triggering place for me, you know. The, the more sober I got. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. And uh, the, the last time we went to IML for the I was completely sober and I was okay. And, the, and I felt like almost like an imposter, you know, like I was right. But I wasn't doing anything, you know. And what really helped me was the other people in the sober room. Some of them, I was so afraid to divulge, you know, I'm here leather, but I'm playing and I'm not killing. You know, what's going on with that? There are other people who said, same for me. I'm sure I suit up, but that's about it. And it normalized it for me, mm-hmm. you know, which really helped me a lot. Uh, but Chicago still had this bad thing for me. And I think it was the following year or two. It was the following year. We had an opportunity 
to house sit for someone during IML who is going to IML, someone who lives there. And I who's said, also sober too. who's also sober. And I said, Adam, I would like to do, to do other things. I'll go because I only did one thing. And she, yeah. You know, um, party, steamworks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I need to do some other things to kind of create a positive experience during that time where IML is usually going on. So and luckily it was one more place where I had been sober. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I did grad school at the University of Chicago. Mm. And, um, lived there for a little while after I got back from graduating and uh, working in Japan for a couple of years. So it, it, it's weird. Like I've really only known Chicago sober. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like, look, I've only known sober. And, uh, you know, I was able to take him around. We, um, it was, it was very hard though, because some friends who were like, riding with them, we're going to eat somewhere. And it was close to the hotel and we got out and I saw all these leather guys, you know, gorgeous leather guys. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, I started shaking. I was getting triggered yeah. really bad. Yeah. What helped me was just being honest with it, telling Adam, I was like, I'm really feeling triggered here. Can we make this introduction walkthrough really quick? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it wasn't a big deal. No. It wasn't a big deal. Well, I got it over wasn't it. a big deal to me, yeah. Well, well you know, we always make things bigger than right. you really are. Right. You know, but it's true. You know, you know sit with it, be honest, it'll pass do some other things. And I was able to turn Chicago into a more positive event or, or, or place for me in my head because we went to the beach one day. I've never been to the beach in Chicago. As many times as I've been to the Chicago, I've never just been there, you know, and doing some other things, which was, which was really nice, you know. It, it, it is about like taking something that's so negative and just kind of putting a positive spin to it. I'm mm -hmm. definitely re-conquering uh, areas I've been before where it has a negative connection. It's funny, I had a friend post a picture um, of us at Pride in Copenhagen and my brain just went, I was a dick there. I was, I was out getting high. I almost missed checkout at the hotel, which my friend had kindly booked and and all of a sudden it's like it's a positive memory for him, but I was a dick. And I just wrote to him just like it was a really fun trip, but I do want to apologize because I was not a nice person. I was being awful to you whilst I was there. Ironically enough, I did it twice in Copenhagen where I almost missed my flight. So it's 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 like you get very selfish and, and self centered when you when you use these type of things. Um, let's see. Too, you know, we're, we're luckily in a position where, you know, we're taught how to clean up the mess and we're taught how to do it with dignity and we're taught how to do it with, you know, a certain degree of knowledge that, um, okay, we learned a lesson from this and we're able to do it. You know, and, you know, like I said, for me personally, when I was, you know, still out there drinking, never crossed my mind. It's just like, why are you pissed off? I said, I'm sorry, you know, and. I couldn't, I, I know for a fact I couldn't have brought that kind of an attitude into any kind of a relationship, let alone a leather relationship. You know, the one thing that this has really reinforced for me um, is to remember that relationships and enjoying somebody else is a privilege. You know, and I, again, um, I, I try not to take advantage of that. I, I joke to that. 
the forefront, you know, especially now, um, now that, you know, I'm starting to, you know, my, my own Dom side is starting to emerge now, you know, and, you know, oh boy, you know, the, the, the whole concept of privilege changes then, you know, <laughs> appreciation and, and, and certainly the, the importance of being there full, you know, and not sort of setting myself to, to do this thing where it's like, I screw up and then I'm sorry, wait a minute, why are you still mad? So. Yeah, we, we've had conversations about like, um, in private conversations where we've talked about like doms and sops and so on. And I've expressed yeah. some of my feelings I have around role play and so on, because I must admit some of the role playing like doms and sops and so on, I can dom, but I still have a lack of confidence when it comes to that front, because I okay. feel like a lot of the character or caricature of myself I was doing whilst I was high, um, there's still, I, I'm, I'm naturally dominant in the scene, absolutely. That's always kind of been what I like. I've also very much been a sub and a puppy, but I still have like, there is still this boundary of confidence or lack of confidence when it comes to my being a top with someone because I'm, I'm, I'm very much also very attentive to the person I'm with. Is I, am I doing it right? I, am I too hard? Am I too soft? Um, am I too, doing too little protocol? Am I doing too much? Typical addict brain kind of <laughs> overthinking everything. So what? in most cases, when I play with someone, I kind of go, okay, we, we can have some guidelines, but we're not going to have a script because right. that's just going to ruin it for me. It's just right. going to completely caused me anxiety the whole way through. Yeah. Do you, do you did you find that in early recovery, Mike, at all? Those type of sensations? Uh, I certainly found a lack of confidence in recovery because I had to rethink everything. I had to relearn everything. And some things that I thought were me were no longer me. You know, I was, uh, at, at first I thought, wow, I've really gone soft here in the head because I'm really more caring, <laughs> you know. Um, so it, it just took some time, you know, to kind of like reconcile all of that and to gain confidence as a sober person. What I had to actually do was just leave the leather, the fetish stuff aside and just work on the principles and work on becoming comfortable in my own skin mm. and then letting whoever I am develop and come back or come better or, or whatever. I just had to let go and have trust that I may not come back as the person that I was, but is that so bad? I can be better, you know, uh, and I can say goodbye to that other person and not have a real idea a strong association with. I can remember that person, but also I can let myself develop and feel free enough to um, just just let it happen, you know? I am, I will say, today I am much aware of what goes on in someone's head. Um, you know, I, I'm very much for, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Looking at body language, at every type of thing, which is something that I used to do. And being a, a, a therapist for 30 years, very keen on language, cues, nonverbal cues, stuff like that. Um, and, and that always helped. 
you know, especially in play with someone and, you know, uh, being in the head and knowing, like, especially with Adam, things that I may want to do, I'm not going to do because I know he can't go there yet. And he may not ever be able to go there to do some of the fetishes that I like. Um, but that's okay, because I've had a lot of those experiences in my years. And what's really weird with this whole spirituality thing and the recovery thing, <laughs> you know, is like, I'm no longer searching for that next scene, that next thing. And, and uh, we're a sexually monogamous couple. You know, which in our culture is, is a little bit, you know. That's oh, like, oh my God, I found a unicorn. I don't know. <laughs> now we will play S&M and other things. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes down to the sex, blah, 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 that's, you know, we keep that us. And when I was telling friends, you know, uh, and other people, you know, I'm going to be, you know, monogamous. And they're like, you? <laughs> you? <laughs> leave me. You know, I'm no more surprised than you are. My, I never was monogamous at, you know, any of my relationships, you know. Um, but I find that in this, in working the recovery program, having a better sense of spirituality, there is a contentment and a satisfaction that I have in my current life that I don't need to pursue the next scene. Not, not that it's not important to anyone else, you know. If it's important to someone, that's great. And Adam and I have had conversations that, with me kind of like going off this way and him experiencing a dom side, there's always room for discussions. Is monogamy still right for us? Or do you need something else, you know? And we, we check in with each other every so often. So how is this going? You know, how are your needs being met? You know, is my needs being met? You know, because um, there's some things that, you know, I, I just can't do to him because my boy is also my husband, you know, and one of my fetishes. And he does get little flowers too. Like a Venus flytrap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. Cue the drag race rattle sound right now. I don't know. <laughs> You understand. <laughs> but part of, one of my fetishes that I always liked was uh, treating someone like an object. As long as it was the right person. Yeah. You know? I love Adam. I can't treat him like an object. I, I do a little bit, but I only go so far. And I give him the cues of what I want him to do. Mm -hmm. You know, but I can't go any further than that. You know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like with any relationship, it's communication, communication, communication. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And, and that's where you see nowadays a lot of relationship not work because people just don't talk to each other. It's so simple. It's such a simple recipe. I'm not saying I'm, I can say it. I'm not saying I've, I have done it in the past. I've probably been equally bad at, at not communicating. But also now I'm just like, I don't really have time to play games. I just, I just rather just go, okay, this is not working. Should we try mm -hmm. this way instead? And I, I see relationship break down because of that so often. People right. give up too quickly because they don't just sit down and have an adult conversation about it. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. 
Well, and there have even been things where I've said to you too, where it's just like, no, I, I, I want you to go harder than this. I want you to do something like this. And, you know, believe me, even asking for that requires, you know, a certain degree of courage and a certain degree of, you know, acknowledgement that I may say that, I may try it, I may not like it, but at least I'll have the, um, at least I'll be honest about what I want, you know, and, um, you know, which is, again, such an important thing. You know, when I, I, I told you before, I came out to sobriety, and um, I remember having the discussion with it. It was another AA member uh, who was gay at the time, and I, I said, I, I just, I, 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 I can't reconcile this. I can't seem to believe that this is what my higher power wants sobriety. And um, I remember what it said very clearly. You don't have to come out, but you may be happier if for no other reason than you're at least being truthful about how you feel. Hmm. Um, you know, sure enough, he was right. You know, and I've put a lot of stock in that, you know, just because it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm feeling this way about it. This is something I want to try. This is something I want to do. If it turns out to not be the right thing, at least be honest at the moment about whether or not it's something I want to continue to do, you know? And I think that that's also been um, my attitude when it came to getting into leather, you know? I mean, at first it was a big exercise and courage for me because I was the kind of drunk that it was like, you know, I was like tofu. I took on the flavor of whatever was around me, you know? And, um, you know, I, I thought I would dress the part and get into the crowd and drink it and, you know, you know you know, it, it ends up taking you to Japan wearing a kimono, drinking sake and, you know, no matter how much sake, and drink myself into being Japanese, you know? So, you know, believe me, every fruitless effort to try to fit in with the crowd that I thought I wanted to belong to, it never really worked out. But, you know, the nice thing about what sobriety has made possible for me is that I was able to come to leather and say, I don't know if this is really what I want. And I don't know yet if this is something that I'm gonna like, but at least I'll have been present enough to say, okay, I got to give this a try. Um, that way I'm not being, you know, opinionated without upfront information. I will actually be speaking on my experience rather than um, just being prejudiced. You know, and I come back to that point a lot. I come back to that point a whole lot just because, you know, there, there are moments too where I feel like and I don't feel like, you know, it's like I've got the right thing on, but I don't feel authentic. Yeah. You know, and I just got to remember, you know, okay, that. You know, that's, that's part of the attic brain, you know, is <laughs> second guessing myself like that, you know, and to remember not to be afraid of it and to not um, assume that, um, you know, that, that, that a moment of feeling inauthentic necessarily means I'm being inauthentic. You know, it's just, you know. I think that's human it, nature. It's just, it's just, yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah. You know. The funny thing is I wind, up with, I wind up with other sober leathermen and they all talk about having the same thing all the time, you know, and it's like, oh, it's normal. It's, it's, it's that recognition of, oh, you too. Yeah, exactly. It just makes things so much easier. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when I talk to people in, in my group uh, on Real Clue Fetish and, and so on, and, and it's, it's the same storyline I hear again and again and again. And I'm just like, yeah, me too. Yeah. It's not a problem. Yep. Please bring More it to the table because you would be surprised how many things like that. Yeah, identification saves the day. I mean, it, it worked when we were all early in our sobriety. It's still...
know. Yeah, it's 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 just so important. So, Mike, you were a therapist. You kind of touched a little bit on it. Um, how does that? Do you integrate some of that into your dom side as well? Because you you know how to look at someone and maybe maybe. Um, we had a you mod, mind okay. games. You we, play mind games with people. Uh, good. Oh, I do like a mind game. It's, well, it's quite not, fun. Not in, not in the therapy session, so to speak, but I do enjoy getting into someone's head, and I. I I'm usually pretty good after discussing with someone, just getting to know them a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay. We had a motto in grad school, uh, the back of our shirts. Well, we said like budding therapist. And on the back, it said, your mind is our playground. <laughs> it, it is. It's almost equally as fun as getting into someone's head for me as much as it is the sex or BDSM or whatever, you know? And I do enjoy getting into someone's head in, in play and not using it against anyone, but knowing what is there that can enhance it just mm -hmm. enough for the other yeah. person and, and for myself. Adam saw it firsthand yes. a, a year <laughs> ago or so because Less. Let's, you know, because uh, uh, he's never quite seen that process that I do. And, and uh, he had mentioned before that, you know, he wants me to go harder. I have to, I have to really modify. I can, I love rough impact play, you know, and I can go really hard and, you know, um, get a tooth knocked out once and I was proud of that. And that felt great. I don't. I bruise, I, you know, is, it, it's just weird. So I, I have to be really careful, you know. And this person that we were privileged to have the permission of his sir to do some BD, BDSM with, um, Adam was uh, uh, working him over and doing a really good job because we were there trying to help his uh, you know, uh, blossoming dom side. And he did real well. And then, you, then the, you're welcome, boy. And then uh, the um, sir said, do I want to take over? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he got to see a part of, of me that uh, existed prior to meeting you that you've never witnessed before. It was lovely. Oh, my God. It was, it was lovely. Fun. It was fine. You it know? was lovely. And, oh. and afterwards, I was like, wow, I haven't been that hard, that into someone's head in a long time, and it felt great. But still, it wasn't something that's like, I got to have it again, got to have it again. It was just like, oh, okay, yeah. What, what was really important was that part of me that was back then as a Leatherman just came back and said, you're not dead. He's still there. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. So... That was a very rewarding experience and very affirming. Well, that's, that's kind of bringing back to what I mentioned is, is when the book mentions fetish in there, it's a bit demonized in the book. Um, but for someone like us, where we had fetish before drug taking, particularly, we found, we found out we were into kink before we were into, fet, uh, into, into the drug taking. 
it's just nice to rediscover some of the sites we used to do, but in a healthy way as well. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely there's definitely things where I've kind of trod water and just just made sure, just like, am I doing this for the right reasons? Mm -hmm. um, one one of the things is you just like don't engage with behaviors that would lead you down a wrong path, which I fully agree with. But it's also exploring just like what works what doesn't work talk about if it didn't and exactly. pull it back and one of the things that uh, really helped me too and, and and you talk about getting in the head and therapy and stuff like that i too when i first got sober thought i had to get rid of all my leather stuff this is all over you know and a couple of people just told me to chill you know the good thing that I had too was I was also in therapy and I had a really good therapist who said, you know, why don't you just pause? You know, why don't you just pause? And what really helped me was, you know, like going to events, suiting up, showing up, but I didn't have to play. I didn't have to do anything. And that one IML that we went to, my first IML sober, um, a big, uh, the next step for me was I suited up and showed up, but I packed some toys for us in the suitcase, but we didn't use them. But I was inching closer, you know, and it was a gradual thing. And I think that for me, I can only speak for me, was the best thing to do to kind of reconcile the drugs, the fetish, bring the fetish back, but don't have any expectations that I'm going to just perform and do this and do that it, it was kind of like you know just reinforcing in a safe way you know and taking it a step further each time mm -hmm. mm. it just just a little bit um i think when i reach two years i'm i like i write poetry as well and one of one of the things i kind of wrote about that day i wrote a poem where i kind of mentioned that you're like you can you can be, have gone so far, but you can just turn back and there's the addiction. It's, it's, you're not further away from your last use up kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's so important that yes, you get far, but it just takes that wrong decision to just right. not obliterate everything you've done. You will not lose your recovery. You, you won't lose the things you've done over the last couple of years, but it, it will just, well, you'd lose your clean time if, if that comes down to it. And that can be quite soul destroying exactly. for a lot of people. Um, so how, how did you two meet? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was contacting me on, on Facebook while I was still using before I got sober. I didn't know this by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. And Could you pointed that out just to start with? I did not know he was using. <laughs> and, um, and then I got sober and he was contacting me and I had built up such a wall. I was, I was in a 25 year relationship going through a divorce. We were legally married for eight of those years because uh, we got married. Yeah, I, I remember that time. I think we were chatting a bit at that point. Yes. It was a very hard time for me and I had a huge wall built. You know, and I was always, I was already reconciling the fact that, you know what, I'm done with relationships. I'm going to stay single. I don't need anything, you know. Um, you know, the, the wall is there. 
And I would occasionally get these things on Facebook, like, oh, daddy, hi, this is what I want. I want you to do this, 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 and that, and that. You know, I'd be like, oh, it got so tiring after a while. And here comes him, who um, he, he's very respectful and ask a question. And I'm just, if I respond one at all, answers. it's a one-word answer. Yes, one word answer. no. You know, and I would wait a week to respond. And I was just like, ugh, you know. And of course, <laughs> Leatherman on the way to happen at the time, I, it just made me want to try harder. You know, and um, one day I just decided to play my ace in the hole. Um, I was in Boston on a layover and I wrote the first paragraph of a Sir Boy story. And this is after what, two, three months of communicating with me. Not there, was no communi there was no communicating. I was talking, you were. I was. <laughs> you were talking to him, he wasn't talking back. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and which yeah. is precisely the reason why it's like at that point I had nothing left to lose. So um, I wrote a, a, the paragraph of a Sir Boy exchange because again you mentioned the writing too. I, I'm also a writer and I've written you know stuff like this. Um, I wrote a Sir Boy paragraph and then skipped a line and wrote in parentheses. You write the next paragraph and figured mm, he won't do it. Whatever. That I love those. I love those. But by yeah. God, he did. That caught my attention, and I wrote the next paragraph. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote one, and then he wrote one. And then I, we, we would twist things, you know, in each other's benefits. You know, he would put the paragraph like he had the upper hand, and then I would write the next one going, so he thought he had the upper hand. You know, <laughs> the bushes was lurking, you know. Yeah. So, and then after that, I, I kind of, he, I like to say he took two bricks out of my wall up here in my face. And that's when I started asking him questions like, who are you? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you about? You know? And, yeah. Well, you know. the interesting thing too, and like I said, at the time I didn't know he was also newly sober and I've, we've had people say to us, you know, so this was a 13th step call that stayed. And I'm like, no, it really wasn't a 13th step call because I wasn't really interested in sex. I wasn't even really interested in a relationship. I wanted to learn about leather. Oh, let me just pull back. Explain 13-stepping. Oh, 13-stepping is... Because not everyone's going to know that. Oh, yeah. 13-stepping basically is taking advantage... A, a person who's been in with time taking advantage of a new... Um, sexually. You know, just sort of taking advantage of the heart and taking advantage of the lack of contact. Um, you know, and I wasn't interested in doing that. I, I am not interested in doing that even today. I wanted to learn about leather. And um, and leather was something I could speak. That was something I could speak of exactly. And that's you know? like I said, it really wasn't supposed to be anything other than an educational relationship. But as I said earlier, I make plans and God laughs. So you know. <laughs> well, look at him for fuck's sake! No, oh, no, isn't he sexy? Well, eh, he's okay. <laughs> Or a senior citizen. Uh, yeah, no, it's the bus pass that does that. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Very bus pass. Mm -hmm. But hey, uh, hey, uh, listen, on behalf of all the all the guys who like their daddies, I feel you. I feel you. We like you. Just say thank you. <laughs> thank say you. thank you, boy. <laughs> thank you, boy. <laughs> thank you. 
Well, you, you, you have the pleasure of Mike as a daddy. I, I, you, you were more of a naughty uncle at IML. I was very at IML. You, you look very different now. I would Thank say an improvement. Thank you. Yes. And you're quite wonderful yourself. I look the same, to be honest. I'm, I'm sure I have a painting. You never age. How do you do it? There's a picture of Dorsey Gray in his closet. Scandinavian, that's what it is. There you go. Oh, you're so lucky. It's in the water. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I, I have looked at pictures my, from myself at IML, and I do look a bit older now, I must admit. Um, it suits you well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm noticing that we are coming down to the last three minutes. Okay. So how wow. would we wrap up? Okay. This is the last episode. It's been absolutely immense to have you both on, especially like a freeway here. I've had a couple of comments on here kind of going, ooh, I like a threesome. It's like, it's not CAM4. I've pointed this out several times. <laughs> so so uh, as someone, uh, if you could advise someone in early recovery, what, what would you say, especially when you're trying to engage with fetish? You're not alone. He said, it, he said it very well. Reach out to other sober people. Reach out to the groups that are there. There are people doing what we do, sober, who have experience, who have been where you are, that place of fear, that place of unknown, that place of not knowing where you even fit in or do you fit in anymore. I went through all of that. Uh, reach out, be honest, and say what you're feeling because there's someone else is there to help you. Fantastic. And Adam, would you want to finish something quickly? Um, I think just to remember that, uh, you know, it's, um, like I said, it's, it's still there for you to enjoy. Mm -hmm. It is still fun. It is going to be different, but you know. It can be better. It can be better, exactly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I agree with that. I, I definitely feel my fetish life is much better for it. And also with the experience, I don't want to say it isn't there. And but I, I feel I'm richer with the experience. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you for coming on and chatting with me. It's been absolutely <laughs> lovely. Much. So good to see you. Have a, have a great evening. And we'll, we'll, we'll chat soon. You bet. Send us some water. I, I, I will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping it for myself. Um, but thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Good night. Oh, that was really lovely to have them both on uh, coming down to the last 20 seconds. It's been such a joy to do these episodes. This was the eighth episode and the last of the season. I will be republishing all the live streams on the YouTube channel, Real Clear Fetish. Uh, I will be doing that in the next coming weeks. But thank you for joining in. Thank you for the comments. It's been absolutely lovely. Stay safe, stay sober, stay sexy.